You're now listening to the Something Good Podcast Network. Please press any key to continue. You don't know about the, the other side of the pyramid? The fifth side? It's called the floor, you dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to make sure he realizes there is a fifth side of the pyramid. And I believe none of them, which makes me an expert. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Cryptic Conspiracy Cult. Uh, this is Morrison with Quinn, and we got a special guest, Mikey. Mikey Black, Mikey the Body Black. I watch him fight Tony Leone in the grass. I did. And that was lost. under the name Muscles Marinara. Muscles Marinara. <laughs> that was before back, Muscles Marinara. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, today we'll be. Uh, We've been doing some introspection on gangsters lately with uh, Quinn and Cap, and I thought it would be great to talk about the uh, the conspiracy of the United States government involved in uh, cocaine and or crack, <laughs> whichever your favorite, whichever's your bag. They go hand in hand. Yeah, it's fucking <laughs> awesome, ain't it? It's great. <laughs> Blood on the streets. I fucking love cocaine. War in the streets. War and peace. War and peace for America. Yep. So going into it, uh, what do you guys know about the... Uh, the the crack epidemic other than snowfall <laughs> oh man well uh quinn how would you know i know about uh was freeway highway rick ross yeah yeah and him getting hooked up by that was he he i think he was colombian if i remember right the the guy that he got hooked up with Who knows? um but he turned out to be like a cia informant yeah 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 From, there was uh highway rick ross there was uh freeway Freeway, Freeway, Freeway. There was George Young uh, from the movie Blow. Oh, yeah. Pablo Escobar, the Ochoas, Griselda Blanco later on, who ended up getting killed by the Ochoas. Uh, so the conspiracy part of the um, of the government being involved in the cocaine production is all traced back to before the Carter administration, uh, when the invention of the DEA from Nixon's era. And... Um, so, what do you guys know about the formation of the DEA? I know it started out as like a really tiny organization. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, didn't have much of any kind of funding to it. Yeah. So, uh, during the time of hippies, <laughs> uh, the Nixon administration thought it would be a good idea to crack down on marijuana again uh, on a more federal level. Um, his words. Even though this guy was taking fucking bennies all the fucking time. Right after saying that, too, just palms them. Yeah, just palms them. Just like take a handful of bennies. God damn it, checkers off the carpet again. Come on, Agnew. We're going out onto the town. <laughs> what are bennies? Benzodiazepine. Oh. Kind of like a, a, a medicinal form of heroin in that same yeah. opiate vibe. Yeah. It's not Benadryl. Yeah. No, no, no. It's a little... Made by the same company, probably. Probably. It wouldn't surprise me. But no... Um, What's funny is about Benny's is, well, I, I think it's funny. It was the second most OD substance you could do. Fuck. Uh, uh, ne- like next to cocaine. Everything else fall, fell by the wayside until the 1990s. Like even, like cocaine has always been the echelon of overdosing uh, until recently after the 2000s with the invention of fentanyl and the mass production of fentanyl. But I don't know. Have you guys ever had fentanyl before? No, not no. yet. Not yet? Not yet. <laughs> That's what they give me at the hospital now because I'm just so 
petered out on fucking pain meds that I was like high tolerance. And now when they shit me full of fentanyl, I just feel like I'm dying. <laughs> like it's at, you don't stop, you stop hurting, but then you feel like you're going to die. Right. Yeah. Fucking Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, with the DEA creation, they uh, started going after, um, um, certain groups, let's just say other than hippies, mainly in the black community with the rise of the heroin epidemic from Vietnam. Um, have you guys, uh, like even during the, you can see in like movies like American Gangster, uh, Dead Presidents, um, a lot of the rise of just heroin. Yeah, yeah. And like, I kind of think it's kind of weird that you see like in the '60s you go from all right heroin use to like like Benny's and heroin and stuff like that. Not a lot of people were in the cocaine game. Like even like in the back in the day during the, like Arnold Rothstein. In the uh, late late twenties and stuff like that, well, a lot of heroin was, was big. Heroin was really big. Um, a lot of it was due to uh, at that time, in some circumstances, selling certain drugs could get you killed. Mm. So a lot of times, guys actually stayed out of it. Yeah, uh, we see that in The Godfather actually because he tells them, yeah. "No, we're not in the drug business." Yeah, and then you can become in the drug business, and then it's, I guess kind of unravels itself. Well, yeah, well that's that's it's hypocritical throughout that whole history of. No. They'll, they'll end up doing it. Now, was no one doing it, or was no one in America doing it? So, How was it in other countries? So the story of the invention of cocaine is kind of a funny one. Um, so in, they've traced it back to Chile in South America. Uh, a guy had synthesized a version of doing cocaine uh, through the coca leaf and everything like that. And it involves a lot of stuff. They kind of elaborate more in the show narcos uh where the guy roach is uh creating cocaine he was under the uh he was doing like a cocaine lab in uh, chile which was uh under pinochet's regime yeah. he almost got killed in a firing squad that's kind of how he treated drug dealers in that country he played dead like the philippines yeah <laughs> yep yep <laughs> of course played yeah. dead played dead because when they fired they yeah. missed him in the firing squad so he just oh. fell in with the rest of the bodies and then Pablo Escobar eventually enlisted him in his cocaine production and like you know, it's all natural substance you know just ground it up add a little bit of kerosene and dry it out <laughs> um, all natural <laughs> ride the white dragon son <laughs> catch, catch the tiger Get, chase the dragon chase, oh that's heroin <laughs> I this love the, the white euphem- dragon I love the euphemisms they give for fucking drugs it's fucking hilarious like, oh yeah like just some of the stupid like white girl oh yeah yeah yayo snow yayo is my fucking least favorite Sorry, well, hear people shout that at like venues or bars and shit. Shout what? Come out the bathroom. They're like, yeah, yo, yeah, yo, like, yeah. We get it. Yeah, you. Somebody drunk. put a bunch of toilets in the coke room. <laughs> <laughs> what a fucking asshole! <laughs> Trying to fucking do a lot, and this guy's taking a shit. This, this place doesn't have a good enough bathroom to do coke in. <laughs> you think about it during the crack epidemic, coke epidemic in the eighties. You kind of see why no one used the bathroom in clubs. They didn't have to. They were fucking coked out. Didn't have to take a shit. I always joke and say, like, at that time, I feel like even law enforcement in some places were just straight up just lining off their squad cars and going in to before, like, a fucking crime. Like, in Florida, yeah. No, I wouldn't <laughs> doubt it. And from, like, 1995, Florida, man, was the, was the hookup as a cop. It um, was. Hey, did you do drugs? Have you ever done drugs? No, never. No, no, okay, we can't hire you. They, they changed their standard. Have you done drugs in the last year? Ah, oh, fuck, we can't take you. No, we got to change the standard. Six months? Fuck! <laughs> and it's just like, are you high today? No. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> and this is like, ah, here's a uniform and a badge. Go out there and start kicking some ass. And no hey, whites. After your- <laughs> 
<laughs> after, after your 90 days is up for the probationary period, here's a little uh, eight ball here's a little from eight all ball. the fellas on the force. <laughs> yeah. Happy first six months of surviving. <laughs> Good job, son. Good job. Just Five shootouts and only hit once. Well, you get those uh, You get those running gun fucking uh, rampart units with the fucking handlebar mustaches, <laughs> the fucking arm, forearm tattoos. Oh, God. And their, their idea of uh, like not using it, like back in the day, it was a flashlight or radio that hit you in the head with this. They just use a fucking pistol. <laughs> Right, but what sober person's gonna take on a Florida man? You gotta be a Florida man. Not only that, a Florida man on cocaine, and then there's also gang wars happening at the yeah. same time. We got the uh, Royal Crown shootout um, that that kind of takes everything off the edge. My dad told me about that because he was working at a bar in Augusta. He owned and, that one is insane, and he said that that was kind of like the first big uh, outpour against uh, cocaine. Was hey, there's a cocaine war fought on the streets in Florida. And then you get the whole Time article, Paradise Lost, with mm-hmm. the crazy fucking, like, welcome to Florida thing, but it's yeah. just, let's get fucked. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yeah, that's, that's exactly how it was described. But, it was um, kind of like Florida was the Wild West. Yeah, so, like, during the Carter administration, DEA was uh, actually brought back on the reins a little bit just because of budgetary concerns because at the time it was doing for a recession. Um, but with Carter... It was more about foreign policy when it came to drugs because he had just brokered the deal with Israel and Egypt, and now he's coming up on you know the tail end of his presidency, which is kind of going to shit because of Iran, which is a whole other fucking story. But there was like a, a makeshift truce created between Iran and Iraq, and then Reagan comes into power, and now Iran's needing weapons. Well, America can't say we can just give Iran weapons because you know a few years earlier. They were the biggest fucking enemy we had next to Russia was Iran. Mm-hmm. So to kill two birds with one stone, Iran and Iraq, they started fluctuating weapons into Iran to help fight against Iraq. Uh, the problem was these these were American planes, so it was kind of hard not to tell them from like MiG-27s and shit. So when the Russian planes were flying by around Turkey and in the fucking Gulf, you know, during their whole you know thing, they were like, "Hey, who's who's flying these F-14s? Fucking Iranians, man! You better watch your shit." <laughs> and like, they're giving them like laws, which is a a, a low altitude weapon, which is basically a bazooka that folds. Kind of like in the similar thing of like a Stinger missile too. Yeah, like they were giving them all types of fucking weapons. Ali North is the center point of the Iran Contra, otherwise known as the Fall Guy too. The Fall Guy, and also host on Fox News. Yep. Yep. Uh, Ollie Norse Gold. American Dad does a whole thing about Ollie Norse Gold because they said the Iranians paying him in gold. Oh, my God. And then we got the uh, the stop the spread of communism throughout the 80s, which is Nicaragua. With Noriega. Uh, Noriega, and you had the all South American countries trying to get involved. Who Noriega actually housed Pablo Escobar and his whole cartel uh, when they were coming down with indictments mm-hmm. while the Ochoas were staying behind and basically fighting the whole thing. Yeah. So, the, what, you guys know much about the Contras in South America? A little bit. I know they started out as uh, freedom fighters, but they were right wing militia freedom fighters. Yeah. So, to same as Vietnam, to stop the threat of communism uh, from the north to the south. Uh, the Contras did the same thing. You had gotcha. uh, communists or more, not even communists, just liberal uh, leaders and who were dealing with a recession at the time. And during the sign of weakness, the militias became in charge. Well, the problem was some of these liberal rulers were also had the moniker of butcher or massacre of such such places. So, like, uh, you have the Shah of Iran. You've heard of him. Of course. The Shah of Iran was a was an ally of the United States who butchered a shit ton of Iranians, and that's why they went through a religious spring. Yeah. Same thing happened in Central America was, hey, we're not we're not eating 
So the fighters are like, oh, fuck this noise. We're just band together in the jungle and rebel. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell America. Kind of like America. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of uh, when Columbia was going through their sort of political unrest in the 80s, though, also. It's a similar kind of concept, mm-hmm. except uh, roles were reversed. The, uh, it was like students rebelling. I, I forgot the name of the yeah. guerrilla organization, but they did the same thing. Yeah, no, it never works out when students no, rebel. No, China showed that, or didn't show that, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, there's a guy in front of a tank. Hey, what's behind those tanks? A shit ton of dead college kids. <laughs> a shit ton. <laughs> didn't happen. Never happened. If you, hey, fun fact, if you ever played online and some Asian kid is giving you shit, from overseas, just type in TNM and Square in the chat, and they'll shut his fucking internet off so goddamn fast. Oh, oh my yeah. god! Oh my god! Play COD again, you fucking pussy. <laughs> what happened to that guy? I just got banned by his own country. What What'd you now? do? Dox him? Nah, I had, to, I had the government dox his ass. Yeah, now. And I was just like, Shay Shay. Just son in here. <laughs> Where is it, goddamn it? Say they wouldn't even ask. <laughs> they wouldn't even ask. It's just like knock, knock, knock. This is a warning. We're going to firebomb your house. <laughs> it's like the pamphlets they fly there before the nuclear bomb drops. He's like, hey, we're going to ignite the sun on your ass. So move. <laughs> what what happens? Uh, going back, what what happens with the um, militia while they're in the jungle? How did they manage to overthrow the government for this to start taking place? So they needed allies. Uh, you had a lot of dictators like Pin- Pinochet. Uh, in Brazil, or uh, then you had the people in Brazil, which there were multiple groups in Brazil, um, all different factions, all different. Like uh, we talked about, it, like on City of God, um, yeah. So like you see the little faction of gangsters. Mm-hmm. Well, they were funneling money. The way they were getting weapons, where they were funneling money for the Central American countries. So Central America allied with South American countries, and were able to kind of change the whole dynamic of who has power. And who is the lesser? And that's the whole point of war is not to be the lesser because that person gets killed. Gotcha. Not to be the victim in the war. Yeah, the um, winners break and the then, history. Uh, to per- as as part of the Reagan administration to stop the spread of communism was we need to send some guys down there and help them win the cause for democracy. And that's that's what the fighters of the rebel groups in the fucking jungle were doing. They said, "Oh no, we're going to fight for democracy." Not really. They're going to fight to take control because they're tired of being hungry. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. Um, United States is kind of like, like we, you know, we live in a very comfortable lifestyle until, you know, you get to the nine meals rule, uh, <laughs> which is kind of a brutal rule. You ever heard that? You ever heard that? No. The nine meals rule. You're nine meals away from killing your local government official. <laughs> that's, a, that, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a hardcore theory to go on. Holy shit. You miss meals because of the government for three days in a row? You'll be very active enough to kill someone. Jesus, we've seen this happen a lot, especially in Egypt. Egypt don't give a fuck anymore. No, they've they've already had. They have a nice whole... supply of food right now because of that kind of shit. The Arab Spring didn't happen for a reason over there. And like, what's funny is you have this, you know, this is the dynamic of the government at the time of the '80s, going from the '70s, because you see like the Carter administration looked as a failure, but you see the Reagan administration coming in strong. With you know law and order, even though he created some of the most fucked up laws as the governor of California, which were very liberal laws, yep. such as banning the the guns out like out in the open, 
like he 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 had a, he co-signed a law like open carry thing. yeah like he yeah. got rid of open carry because black panther guys were carrying shotguns yeah yeah <laughs> protesting uh protest being killed the by the fucking police in the, yeah in the watts riots because people were getting killed by the police innocent people and just not just, up and, not just fucking... and not just being pulled over people like cops going to people's houses and oh, killing people like yeah they, like, that was the thing well that was the thing yeah. too uh the because Oregon had like the Klan, so Klan's members would come down to yeah, so. Klan was nationwide. Yeah, yeah. So people forget about that shit real quick. Mm-hmm. And it's not a bunch of just dumb hicks. Now it's white supremacist groups everywhere. Proud Boys <laughs> can't handle their coke. Cowboy Church, Cowboy Church, hell yeah. But um, so the Reagan administration decides to stop communism in Central America because they believe in the domino effect, the same as stupid fucking result from previous generation uh, generations who believe if one nation falls, they all fall, which is not true. Uh, Laos and Cambodia didn't follow the exact same way to communism. They fall to dictators because you know some people took a took a shorter route to mm-hmm. North Vietnam through Cambodia and burnt some villages on the way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, funny fact: I know a guy whose grandpa fought in Cambodia and killed communists. He was not a guy to fuck around with. Nice man though. Holy shit! Could make a sticky rice so fucking good. <laughs> mm. Mm. Damn good. Kill them commies. <laughs> But, that's uh, just, that, that's nuts. Yeah, it's so. fucking nuts, right? <laughs> yeah, that is fucking nuts. <laughs> but the craziest part is where these liaisons the U.S. government hired to go down to South America to bring these guns. And what's funny is, like, I, I don't know what type of idiocy it was to go to send a CIA guy down south so fucking far into the middle of the goddamn rainforest with a <laughs> truckload of fucking guns and expect these people to pay money for them. Right. Because that's what it was. That's what, originally what it was. Hey, we need you guys to pay. And it's just like, these guys live in the fucking woods. You think they have money? Dude, you're supplying them with fucking Uzis and M16s. And not only that, it's the jungle. We know those guns don't work that well in the fucking jungle. We fought a whole war about this back in the 60s. So, so you're supplying them with weapons. And they're just like, we can't give you this, but we can give you this. And it's the rebels were paying in cocaine. So they had shit ton of cocaine because all that cocaine was being bought in Mexico. Because Mexico, the cartels had just started, but crack wasn't quite invented yet. So cocaine was only being funneled to rich people in the States and Canada. People don't talk about this much, but Canada's cocaine problem in 1981 was fucking massive. Like Quebec was yeah. just like somehow got overrun with cokeheads. That's I, I actually remember hearing that um, that Quebec had its crime rates skyrocketed in yeah. the early eighties. There was a lot more because they had organized crime up there though too, mm-hmm. selling coke. There was a mob family. Up I there. swear to God, I couldn't take a fucking Canadian mobster seriously, dude. They speak. How 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 about you give me the fucking money? They they'll speak <laughs> French though, which throws me off. You yes. would expect them to speak Italian because they're Italian too, though. Go back to Saskatoon, you <laughs> fucking thug. <laughs> so what was the uh, the public at the time? What news were they like given or like how did they see it as it was happening? So this is kind of it was, it was slow. Yeah, it was slow. So cocaine was such a niche drug in the 70s that only elites did it like hollywood rich people you know this was like hey hey i heard you know smithers and fucking accountants got a little vial you want to go do a bump before the meeting yeah just let's go corporate america was ran wild with fucking coke um and it escalates even more in the 80s but in the 70s that's where you mainly found it uh everyone actually marijuana 
and the way everything was being done around that time it, we're coming off the heroin age yeah because like late 70s heroin's starting to decline a lot of those guys went yeah. to jail but you're talking about a whole different dynamic of different drugs so heroin yeah. which is a downer you know and cocaine which is an upper and then you hear about all these actors and actresses you know doing uppers and downers mm-hmm. right with corporate america or high stress jobs are doing the same thing doctors are taking uppers and downers johnny cash pills out the ass yeah yeah and the only one who didn't do this shit was probably willie nelson who just smoked weed all fucking day constantly that's constantly. all he ever did yeah <laughs> but so so in the new in the, the new, cia is doing their thing so the cia is doing their thing in south america so right, they realize right. all right great now we have three three things to use as currency guns cocaine and cash um, in the in the show Snowblind, Teddy is kind of an amalgamation of multiple liaisons. Yeah. Because in in the show Snowblind or Snowfall, sorry, Snowfall, Teddy is super rich. Yeah. Because he has so much equity in guns and cocaine, but he's not rich because it's like CIA guys aren't rich; they're getting paid a salary to do nasty shit for the United States government. Um, shit we're not supposed to hear about. Now this kind of evolves a little bit later on during the uh, fall of Afghanistan to Russia with the Mujahideen before they became Al-Qaeda. So <laughs> in, in, the, uh, in the Hindu Kush Valley, um, a lot of painkillers are manufactured because of this little area that grows opium fields. Yeah, it's kind of like the, uh, the Fertile Crescent, but the yeah. narcotics for But for crescent. opium. Yep, all opium. And uh, so if you've ever taken a pain pill, most likely the opium used to manufacture, you know, Oxy, Roxy, whatever fun name you got for painkillers, it's manufactured from opium at some point. Yeah. which mainly came from Afghanistan. Another great reason why we helped Afghanistan fight the Russians in the 80s. It was a Contra, technically. And they call it a war, but it's technically a Contra, which is just a weird word for um, proxy war. Gotcha. And that's how wars are fought now. Yeah. There's no yeah. there's no main, like, Russia and the United States are never going to meet in some distant battlefield in northern Alaska to fight it out. No. no we'll use Ukraine or Afghanistan or, or Syria. Vietnam. Yeah, wherever the fuck we need to. Iraq, it doesn't matter. Wherever we need to be, we'll fight on some other other soil. And bigger countries know this. And in the 80s, it becomes more prevalent because the line in the sand is kind of getting blurred. Mm-hmm. Even European countries are like, we don't want no part of this Central American bullshit. No. Uh, a lot of uh, the French had already backed out of Southeast Asia. A lot of British assets had moved away from Northern South America yeah. to get away from the Central American and not be tied to that because they knew how the Americas were going to be. Um, now, what's weird is this seems to be like an only a Western Hemisphere issue with the drug epidemic because overseas, they're still doing all types of different drugs. So like in Africa, uh, the Quaalude is still popular. Wow. Even though we've gotten rid of the Quaalude since the late 70s, early 80s, yeah. it's still a popular drug in Africa. Wow. I didn't expect that. I thought it was just completely outright. Yeah. And then you have other countries in Asia who just use whole different substances altogether. Yeah. Uh, variations of smokable marijuana. Just all, ki- all, all kinds of crazy shit. Yeah. Uh, like I remember one it was the honey. The honey that would get you high. And it caught, it's like 30 guys climbing a fucking cliff just to harvest it and just getting jacked out <laughs> on their minds on fucking honey. Oh my God. And it gets you high. <laughs> Because it's a special kind of bee or some shit. Right. And they're just fucking... They do ropes, rope ladders and shit to climb a cliff just to harvest this fucking honey. It's fucking wild. I wonder oh. who was the first person to discover that. Yeah, he probably climbed up there. It was an accident. Tasted some, exactly. <laughs> well, like, Tasted some as soon as he got up there and then fucking died. 
next guy did it same shit because they start tripping balls so they just yeah. fall off well you gotta think how brave some of these people are who try drugs yeah like the first guy to smoke opium <laughs> like the first white guy to smoke opium at like a Chinese fucking place in like and some place in Shanghai they had opium dens in the Mortimer West. Mortimer try this try this <laughs> Take it away! Yeah. <laughs> the moment's different. Number Pink one, Floyd just starts fucking playing. It's a great grandfather, Roger Waters. <laughs> I was here. I was here, and Pink Floyd, like yeah. fucking uh, comfortably numb, just start playing, and he's just nodding yeah. off halfway through yeah. the conversation. Bartholomew, I have a great idea for a song. <laughs> uh. Shut the fuck up, Mortimer. <laughs> shut, shut up, Mortimer. Talk to me. In a but like you know, the same people who kind of figure out how tobacco was smokable. Like, can you imagine that's probably just some weed growing in a yard somewhere? One guy's like, I think I could smoke that. I bet I could put that in my mouth, light it on fire, and inhale it. Even though smoke, like, instinctually is something that warns us on a caveman sense. <laughs> smoke bad. That means house burned down. <laughs> you know, cave on fire. Fuck. Me no longer have cave. Me have to go hunt dinosaur now. <laughs> Wife divorce me. Wife divorce, Wife divorce me. me. Wife leave me for Fred. <laughs> Wife take a club. <laughs> Half <of> everything. <laughs> Leaves me with nothing. <laughs> me have half loincloth now. And that's when the word whore is invented. <laughs> this fucking whore. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, can you just like how cavalier people are when they are doing drugs? But like, I remember somebody gave me shit like, oh man, it's not natural to drink uh, milk. And he started drinking almond milk. I'm like, dude, you fucking sit in front of me all the time and put a cigarette between your fucking lips, light it on fire, inhale the smoke <laughs> with that fucking filter on it. And you're going to tell me what's fucking not natural, you piece of shit? I'm just like, we fly planes that spit in the face of God every day. <laughs> We're not meant to fly. We're not meant to go on a boat. We're meant to walk everywhere, God damn it. I will have this milk. Yeah, I will drink as much fucking milk as I want to. I'll drink the whole goddamn gallon. And I'm comparing that to cocaine use. Basically how it is though, with the addiction to yeah. it, yeah. And, you know, going from, like, just for cocaine and going into the crack, uh, the theory is that the government was able to create crack cocaine as a simple version of freebasing, which makes it more addictive. So freebasing is when it's uh, synthesized down and you light it and smoke it instead of snorting it through the nasal cavity yeah. or up the ass or however Jordan Belfort wants to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Blow a straw full of that shit up my ass. <laughs> but uh, so what's funny is like when you think of freebasing, like before this, people who freebased would mix it with ether and then light it. And this is the famous story of Richard Pryor catching on fire because he was freebasing and he spilled the ether on himself and lit himself on fire. Fuck. Nice. But (laughs) crack cocaine is the freebase version, is the base version of cocaine. Not only is it just so compacted, you know, into its perfect form, now you can just smoke the shit. And it gives off a... Have you guys ever smelled crack before? Yeah. It's burning plastic. I smell apples, like burning apples. It's got like a sweet smell, but often like a chemical smell. Yeah, chemical, like a sweet chemical smell. Because you, because it was made in like a Mr. Coffee or some shit. (laughs) (laughs) Which you can literally use a Mr. Coffee to make crack cocaine. That is not a joke. Uh, Later on during the crack epidemic, instead of having someone currently stir a pot while the cocaine is cooking down and cooking down, they used a Mr. Coffee because it kept a standard heat the whole time. You didn't have to stir it all the time. Genius. That's fucking genius, right? That is very that is, genius. That, that, that is what I like about the drug 
the drug revolution is hey you know back in the day we got marijuana like if we go back in time to like 1910 and try to smoke marijuana it's not it's nothing and you have to smoke a lot of it and that's why it's so relatively cheap back then now some fucking kid from fucking MIT is like oh man I mix this blend and this blend <laughs> yeah. and I call this one Gorilla Panic and it's just like why the fuck like that <laughs> side note that's why I hate marijuana is because of the stupid fucking names they give it like I heard I, uh, someone offered me Bruce Banner I'm just like why I do not want to be the Incredible Hulks see I used to like, run into people like that all the time that I ran into people where it's like what's this well I don't know I know it's weed <laughs> yeah but like like you remember Dare in school, where it's like if someone ever offers you yeah. drugs, just say no. Oh yeah, like, I didn't need Dare board. to tell me not to put a needle in my fucking arm yeah. with some mysterious I, concoction you used a spoon <laughs> for. Hell yeah! <laughs> my favorite was the fucking stories they would tell too. Oh yeah, about people tripping on acid and they were at a uh, air museum or some shit mm-hmm. and walked into a propeller as it was <laughs> like running. <laughs> I was at an air show, man. I was in fucking Dayton. I was tripping balls, man, and my partner blew to pieces. (laughs) That doesn't sound like a drug problem. That just sounds like a time and place problem. (laughs) Maybe don't. Maybe try not to open your fucking mind in the goddamn middle of an air show. Hey, you don't know me. You know what a safe place to do drugs is? The Renaissance Fair. If you want to experiment with a drug of any kind, go to a Renaissance Fair. People just think you're in character. Yeah. Or you you just blend in really well. No one. One thing. No one's gonna hassle you because they're all a bunch of fucking weirdos anyway yeah half the people there are there dressed up and think they're part of the act the worst that could happen to you is get kicked by a horse <laughs> so just don't <laughs> but buy even the then even then security wise they're gonna let some weirdo next to the horse <laughs> they have a guy who's trained to ride the horse right <laughs> but like that's that's the that's that's the safest place to do drugs. If I wanted to try heroin, I'm waiting till October roads around. And I'm just like, Renfest 2022, baby, up chasing the dragon right next to the hatchet throwing. He's got a fanny, he's got a fanny. All he sees is a fanny pack full of drugs. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, the, the worst thing I've ever done at Renaissance Fair was drink about beat up a gay guy. Like, oh my God. Not because he was gay, but because he was saying some really fucked up shit to somebody. And I had two ye old tequila cups right beside me because uh, I waited. I did the scouting thing because I was going to get my most for the money. Yeah. And I had a giant slushy machine filled with nothing with fucking sour mix and Grey Goose. And I was just waiting for that motherfucker to get down because the Grey Goose is heavier. So I'm just waiting for it to get low. And they gave me the palest looking fucking margarita. It's nothing but tequila. So $10 later, I got two cups of fucking tequila sunrises. <laughs> just like, yeah, let's watch the guys fuck each other up. And I'm just like sitting there and this guy's fucking chattering. All this gay guy that's flaming homosexual. Full fucking accent and everything. I'm just like, oh god, I hate this guy already because he's saying terrible shit to people. And my uh, friends like, don't, don't don't beat up the skinny fellow. <laughs> I'm just like, if he comes over here and says something, you're holding my drink. <laughs> but you, can you imagine just doing crack at a Renaissance Fair? You're fine. You're fine. You're fine. If you're watching people do flame shows and shit, you're freaking out just a little bit, and you're just fucking jittering the whole time. <laughs> The guy doing the flame show is like, hey, this guy's into it, yeah. Uh, Fire. What's your name, man? You won't want to know my name. <laughs> but like any, any drug you can think of, it's great to do at a red fest. It's just a, a nice community of white folk who are just <laughs> nerds. <laughs> and to be quite honest, probably on the drugs themselves. Like the opposite of this is doing drugs at like a LARPing event. Because oh, those motherfuckers, Christ. if they come at you, you're going to fucking go like Del Gribble. And just go sha sha, like punch a kid in the mouth or something. And they're just like, "That's not part of LARP. It's not part Fuck of LARP." You Illuminati. 
just gacked out of his mind. <laughs> your, your dealer didn't tell you you put deterra seeds in with your mushrooms to yeah. eat them, so you got the fucking tripping going on like Far Cry 5. <laughs> just wipe out an entire fucking LARPing event and then look back and everybody's dead. You got to fucking run. <laughs> Fake seed! <laughs> Hop on a dirt bike and get the fuck out of there. A, a mile later, you're sort of like you've been riding a mule this whole time. It's just like, oh my God, what have I done? <laughs> and that perfectly describes Central America in 1981. Basically, yeah. The CIA just gacked out of their minds doing fucking fresh blow. Can you imagine like, 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 artisanal blow coming in from South America, you know, pure source oh, cocaine. Like, the thing was, I don't think, they, I, I doubted they ever really had an extensive drug testing policy at that point either. Yeah. They, they probably didn't care. They thought they were fighting the good fight with a lot of that stuff. But dude, like, they were doing a ton of fucking blow. Well, you got to, like, um, we saw it in, we see it in Snowfall all the time. Teddy just fucking does it line before he starts talking to militia guys all the time just to keep his mind right, <laughs> you know. And he's the most dangerous motherfucker in that show. <laughs> Uh, so, to get rid of the cocaine, the government uh, uh, theoretically creates crack cocaine. Um, and the great thing about crack cocaine is you can make it cheap. You can take a lot of cocaine and make a lot of crack. Uh, and we get the, the theory itself is the government uh, peddled crack cocaine in the inner city inner cities to disrupt not only black culture, but upward mobility in the... Uh, in the black community, which upper mobility is making your way out of the hood, yeah. basically. Um, this actually is the same conspiracy theory as done for heroin as well. That yeah. they peddled heroin to in New York same, City, in New York City, to do the same fucking thing. Yeah, exact same thing. Yeah. Well, uh, a great scene in the movie Dead Presidents is uh, Chris Tucker, uh, Al Green's playing on the TV on like solid gold, something like that, and so I'm tired of being alone, and he's just he's dead. Well, the cops busted on him. He's deader than hell. Just gacked out on heroin. And I think I think the weirdest thing about crack cocaine is how prevalent it is and how fast addicting it is. Like the science behind crack cocaine is when you're inhaling it like that, you're going through the lungs and going straight to the blood supply where it filters out. Unlike you know snorting cocaine, which goes through the nasal cavity cavity down the down the sinuses and into the stomach, uh, but basically gets absorbed in the nasal area. Yeah. Now, can you imagine being the first guy to smoke crack and being told you're good, you're solid? Like before this, you know, before this, people were injecting drugs all the time. Yeah, the Nazis injected meth. Because yeah. they didn't smoke meth, the, it was either to inject or inject it. Yeah, uh, Adolf Hitler loved meth. Uh, they used it as a housewife drug. It was called Privetin at the time. Yeah, Bobby's little helpers. Yep, they were yep. little uh, like little cookies or biscuits. They gave it to the guys uh, that were doing the invasion in 1939 of Poland. Uh, a great movie about uh, Mommy's little helpers and into the crystal meth days is a movie with Val Kilmer called The Salted Sea. With oh, Vincent yeah. D'Onofrio, a guy. Vincent D'Onofrio does so much meth up the nose, he has his nose cut off because it has to be amputated. They call him Pooh Bear. They get infected. Like, yeah, you got infected. Right? Yeah, they they chop they, it off. They have oh, to I do that surgery with uh, cocaine addiction too. You'll burn a hole in your nasal cavities, and they'll have to cut the bridge of your nose. You ever seen anybody inject cocaine? No. I had a roommate that did that. What the fuck? Did, now, he's my size, like body wise. He was my size, and I saw this guy inject cocaine, never lose a pound. But I will say, 
he could talk to a random stranger and convince them into injecting cocaine. <laughs> like, no shit. I watched him do it twice. Jesus Christ. And just one day we're hanging out. We're in a church parking lot. And we drive to fucking East Spencer in Salisbury. He grabs some. We go out to another county to meet up somebody else. He's in a church parking lot. And I'm not going to name any names, but I saw this motherfucker. He didn't have water. So what he would do is he would mix it with the water, grab a little bit of cotton, put it in the water to filter it, pull it in the syringe, and put it in his vein. Okay? Heroin users do the same thing. I watched him do it with Mountain Dew Volt. Man, what the fuck? He used a old bottle of Mountain Dew Volt as a liquid dilution for cocaine. Oh my god! And I'm like, that is the most ballish shit ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that entrepreneurial spirit. That's yeah. that creative mind. You see the res- that's that kind of thinking respect. you can't do under yeah, the rule of communism. Yeah. In his mind, he probably looked over my fucking face and saw the devil or some shit because of all the fucked up. He's like, what the fuck is that? The thing from Legends? Like, Jesus Christ! Grab a gun! Like, nah, I think it was that guy was scared of guns. <laughs> of all the things, the guy was scared of guy but, cocaine he, in the vein was scared of when I had a rifle in my hand. <laughs> what a pussy! Man, that's you got your morals fucked up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. ass back. Yeah, who would have thought drug users have fucked up morals? Yeah, who would have thought? <laughs> who would have thought? <laughs> now, um, going back to like just the the crack part of it. It becomes so prevalent very quickly, you know. So from 1983 to 1986, it becomes the epidemic. Now, while this is going on, AIDS, uh, a handful of serial killers are getting caught. Uh, Son of Sam got Son caught. Son of Sam, you know, black rolling blackouts, you know, facilitated the murders of oh, Son yeah. of Sam. He talked to a dog, or maybe he didn't. Then you have John Wayne Gacy dressed up as a clown. You had, yeah. I think, the Grim Sleeper was working around this time. Dennis yes. Rader, uh, the BTK, BTK killer. Yeah, Golden State War- uh, for Golden State Warrior, the killer. Cool. And he didn't get caught. Today. Why he's not called the Golden State Warrior, I do not know. <laughs> it was that's a, that's a failure. That's a failure of the news. <laughs> this news sucks. The Golden State Warrior kills again. It's just a story about Steph Curry but murdering always, homeless people. It's, like, it's always the same kind of shit with a lot of drug instances in the U.S. It's always some kind of collective traumatic event. I mean, in the mm-hmm. '60s and '70s, before this, he had the aftermath of the Manson family and the Sharon Tate murders. Yeah, that was later '60s. And yeah. cult, like going into the oh, in the damn mic. The, going into the '70s with cults and everything. <laughs> yeah, kind of working its way there. And then there was the drug epidemic of heroin that followed that. And then you have the '80s with political unrest. You have, like you said, rolling blackouts, countless serial killers. Same kind of setup, but. Mm-hmm. Now just a different drug. It's kind of envy someone who who, who was born in like 1945, who could becomes 15 in 1960, and then it's just like, okay, cool. What's the 60s about? Oh, a bunch of bad shit. And then 25 <laughs> comes. He's fucking 1970. He's joined a cult. He's already tried heroin. He's joined a cult. They're into some weird shit. He rises. Oh, let me just moonwalk out of here real quick. You know, it was probably drafted at one time. This fucking keeps going, keeps going. And then all of a sudden, it's the fucking 80s. And he's just like, man, I'm vibing like a motherfucker, dude. I fucking love cocaine. Becomes an industrial banker. Then slowly he becomes Bill Gates. So that should, yeah. No, it, kind of comes, it all comes kind of full circle, though. But like the, the, the lifespan of a white guy born in 1945 all the way to 1995 is fucking fantastic of the shit he probably saw. Now, how did the cartels start like selling all this cocaine? So, dirt, like, yeah, we had talked about the Mexican Revolution a while ago. So, um, 
During the 80s, uh, Mexico was going through not really a political revolution, but a societal revolution. They wanted everything the westernized countries had. A great example of this is um, the brother city of Philadelphia at the time was Tehran in Iran. Because if you look at old photos of Tehran, it looks like the United States with Iranians. If you look at old photos be, 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 during the time of the Shah and before the Ayatollah, everyone looks American. Everyone, men, women, it all looks like they're American. They wear the same clothes as us, same period, like you know, period clothing. They got everything the same time America got it. When it came to fashion, um, music, they had their own version of rock and roll. They had their own version of you know, mu- you know, American styles and music. And they go through a religious revolution in the late seventies. But before that, it was American as hell. Uh, a handful of South American countries um, where the Medellin cartel uh, really pushed for westernization and not just style, but the way business is done. So yeah. you have the corporate structure, which the cartels also use as a military structure. So you have the head, and instead of capos, you just have leaders. Yeah. And those leaders can be demoted and promoted. But when they mean demotion, that means you get killed. Yeah, yeah there's no, there's <laughs> no layoffs, no golden parachute. More no, of like you're someone knocked down. Yeah, this more, guy's coming in. More like some guy named Tito puts a rock in a sock and beats you to death. <laughs> <laughs> While you're serving a ten year sentence for the yeah. same cartel, <laughs> then all of a sudden you're in a barrel in Lake Mead and won't be found till 2022 when it starts fucking lowering. <laughs> Who would have thought the goddamn climate change would have found all these dead bodies? <laughs> That's the real conspiracy. I was just listening to that too. I was just listening oh, to all a the podcast de- talking about that. Like all that the dead bodies. Keep finding, dude. That's insane. Like that's all like unsolved murder cases, probably. Yeah, out we'll there. probably find Jimmy Hoffa sooner or later. <laughs> that giant stadium. <laughs> yeah, that giant, yeah, with the yeah. move out of the Meadowlands. <laughs> hey, look, it's Jimmy Hoffa. He's giving the finger. <laughs> He's got a, a mummified piece of pizza in his mouth. I wonder who did it. Maybe it was the Mexicans. <laughs> but the cartels, the cartels don't become strong until after after the CIA starts pulling out of South America, it's kind of odd because as much as much land as Mexico is, you know, their societies are split up just like Canada. You have a large population of different types of people like yeah. America. Did you know there's a large Korean population in yes. Mexico uh, near uh, Tijuana? No. Yep. Yep. There is actually a very large. And Samoan people? Yeah. So, like, everybody thinks, oh, Samoa is just white. Well, they don't always go to California. They go to s- more south, too, because that's where the, the Gulf Stream go- or the, the, the uh, ocean stream goes is to the uh, west coast. But that extends to Mexico. A lot of Korean refugees came to the United States and Mexico. That makes a lot of sense. But, like, the, the population differences, they look minuscule, but these are same people who claim to be Spanish but are just descendants of Aztecs and shit like that. You know, Mesoamerica, you know, these Mm -hmm. are the last technically Indians of the North America. So they, they adopt a Western, their own identity very quickly, but not till after the CIA starts pulling out of the Contras because it's a volatile area. Mexico city bursts in size within a decade, much like new Delhi in India. You know, these, these, Population boom, expansion, expansion. Mexico City. When you hear Mexico City, I think of fucking horror shows like Man on Fire or something like that. (laughs) But like, it's just expanded growth so quick, you know. And then you got relative distancing 
which other countries have no idea what we're talking about. So when I say, hey, Mikey, let's go to West Virginia for three days. All right, that ain't shit for us. Six hours up, six hours down. Okay. In Europe, six hours? You're like, God damn, how many countries are you going through? Yeah. Right. So you so relatively speaking, you know, no one's quite understanding what's going on in North America compared to like Europe and other countries, uh, and other continents. So so after the CIA starts pumping large amounts of money into South America, well, a problem kind of happens. Well, these guys, these freedom fighters don't have a lot of training. So we need to take them up back north and show them how to fight. <laughs> so this is where uh, uh, Bud Seeley comes in. Have you ever heard of Bud Seeley? Yes. Name sounds familiar. Right. They made a movie about him with Tom Cruise. Um, Bud, or Buddy, had got caught smuggling uh, Cuban cigars as an American pilot. Well, he gets arrested. Well, the CIA guy comes along and is like, man, you're fucking awesome. Dude, that's fucking that's pretty cool. <laughs> i tell you what. We're going to set you up. We're going to give you a house in Arkansas, and we're going to give you a plane. But we're going to need you to drive, you know, fly to South America by way of Cuba and then come back. So he's flying through the Gulf to Cuba down to South America with a plane full of cocaine. And then it went from a plane full of cocaine to a carrier carrying fucking Nicaraguans freedom fighters. Holy shit. So they can bring them back to Arkansas to train. Now, here's the funny story. At one of these trips, the Nicaraguans fucking just take off as soon as they land. As soon as they land in the United States, they all just dipped. <laughs> it's like, get, I'm getting the fuck out of here. You know, it's, I'm in America. I'm not fighting in a goddamn jungle because they didn't want to go back and fight in a jungle. Right. No matter how prepared they were, they still were at the risk of getting murdered in a fucking jungle. Yeah, they'd rather <laughs> so, just take the chance. Let me just hang out, hang out in these pine forests of Arkansas. It's, <laughs> not, it's, not, it's not as bad. Like There's nobody <laughs> hunting me. You know, I can see every white guy that comes rolling in. You know? <laughs> I don't have to worry. So... That's just one story on the great branch of cocaine history. And it's all backed by the CIA. He ends up getting killed um, mysteriously in a parking lot. <laughs> this was the guy that was based off of, I heard the name being used as Barry Seal. Barry Seal. It, as a, I, I've yeah. heard, I think that was one of the aliases he yeah. had. Barry Seal. Uh, he's also the one who took the photos of the AC-130 filled yes. with uh, Pablo Escobar and a couple of the guys. Yeah, he snuck and he took a photo of El Padrino. He had one of the best uh, 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 code names too. They called him uh, Ellis McPickle. Yeah, <laughs> what a dick. <laughs> and then, then you had that's only just one story. So another one we know of is the story of Blow George Young. Yep. You know he he started in Boston, sold a little bit of weed, went to Florida, sold some more weed, got in trouble. Met a guy who knew some stuff about cocaine, went to fucking Mexico and went further down and met met up with Pablo Escobar, who loved him. Yep. Because guess what? This is another guy who's going to sell my cocaine for me. And it kind of reminds me of, like, that's where they got the scene from Scarface, where he's in Medellin and he's talking to that guy oh, yeah. the whole time. He's like, Tony, I like you. There's no lying in you. And I'm just like, you're going to be carving this motherfucker up in no time because it's like, it just goes full shit storm later on because he didn't kill a guy in front of his kid. Yeah. They didn't blow up the fucking car. And then, and then going from that, you had the cocaine cowboys of Florida. So they came down from New York. 
All right. So a couple of guys come down from New York, meet up with some guys. Uh, he makes friends with this guy named uh, the main guy. I can't remember his name, but uh, if you watch uh, the, the documentary Cocaine Cowboys and Cocaine Cowboys Part Two, it gives you an elaborate story of how this happened. But it was just some white guy married to a model who had a friend named Rafi, and they all fucking decided to sell cocaine together. And he had a pilot's license. And then they meet up with this fucking redneck in goddamn uh, Alabama near Tuscaloosa who knew how to fly a plane. He had a bigger plane. Guess what? That's that's how it worked. That's how it happened. Yeah. And it's just like it just slowly builds up and up until they build their own little coke empire to the point where they were buying houses. Or not buying houses. Buying their neighbors and saying, hey, I'm going to give you $10,000 and you're going to hide this bag in your house. You can do whatever you want with the money, but don't fuck with this bag. And it'd be a box full of cocaine. Mm-hmm. And then it became a box, then it became a bale, then it became a pallet. And it's just like, <laughs> this guy, he talked about uh, talking about going back to one of these houses and having to kill a guy because he said he found uh, mouse bites in the bag. And so you got a kilo of cocaine wrapped real tight, you know, in that plastic and brown tape. And there's like little marks in it where someone stuck a knife in there and took a bump. He and killed he, him for taking a bump? He killed him for taking multiple bumps. Uh, yeah, you cut it at the merchandise. And that's, that's, pure, that's, that's pure fucking yayo, too. That wasn't that cut shit yeah. that we see in movies. So it's kind of like that's a pretty big loss because they're, they're probably not going to be able to sell that. <laughs> well, if you try to sell it, someone's going to be like, hey, man, what the fuck happened here? Yeah. You know, what the fuck is this? You know, kind of like a cop when he pulls like, a bag of crack out of his out of his, out of his desk. <laughs> you see this? Is, what the fuck? You planned that. You planned it. I did what? <laughs> what? Blue lives matter, motherfucker. <laughs> Pat. <laughs> Punches the handcuff suspect. <laughs> Knocks him the fuck out. Knocks the guy out. Sits his ass on the ground. Officer down. Need response. Officer down. <laughs> <laughs> Triple nine. God damn, dude. Like, cop can kill. <laughs> oh, my God. But with the currency of just cocaine, guns, and money, it kind of worked itself out. Because, you know, in our world, commodities change all the time. Diamonds change in price. Food changes in price. Gas. They didn't have to worry about that shit. They were recession-proof. Selling drugs is a recession-proof business. Yeah. Yeah, the it's recession-proof because be- people, just like people who make liquor, it's a recession-proof business. Because somebody's always going to want to drink. Somebody's always going to want to do their own, pick their own poison. Yeah. Like a brothel. Everybody wants something. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And yeah like, everybody wants some. <laughs> everybody wants some. Like uh, a while ago, we were talking about the dark web. Someone we knew got something on the dark web. I'm like, really? That's what you got? <laughs> I'm just thinking of like the prison sentence on that one. What'd you do? Uh, I killed a man. What'd you do? I bought a child on the dark web. What'd you do? Uh, I illegally downloaded a bunch of Rush <laughs> oh man fly by night over here fucking everybody just moves their seats a little bit yeah, yeah. <laughs> but closer to the heart over here is fucking ruining my bus <laughs> fuck you Tom Sawyer there's <laughs> a bunch of like uh, derogatory rush comments <laughs> fuck you Getty Lee you piece of shit <laughs> next day he's holding someone's pocket yeah next day you're holding a pocket hold my pocket <laughs> That's still the funniest fucking thing I've ever heard. <laughs> did you ever watch that growing up, The Scared Straight? Because that, that that was always part of I Dare. Did. We watched The Scared Straight thing in Dare oh, last. Shit. About the kid, and like my buddy, he was so hyped to go to a jail to see these motherfuckers. Like he was an asshole kid, and he was like hyped. He wanted to go do that. <laughs> the only I only remember one episode, and this you know, this fucking big black dude walks in, <laughs> and it's just like middle school white kids, and they're scared shitless. 
and he just go put this on your lips and he pulls out some grape kool-aid oh yeah <laughs> put this kool-aid on your lips well you remember that one kid who was like unscathed have you ever seen that video on youtube he's like yeah I, you hear me i ain't never gonna see my kids chill bro chill, chill. Yeah, chill i ain't bro. never gonna see my family again <laughs> he's like Come on in. Come on in. Are you scared? He's like, you need to open the door you more. Need to open the door. It's <laughs> like this little fucking white kid is like telling a, a goddamn convicted killer, open that door, motherfucker. I'll come in there. I don't give a fuck. Because like, he knows, all... he knows. He's like, it's like waving a baby at a gorilla. You know what's going to happen? Nothing. Like, <laughs> until it does, and then a whole revolution starts. Because thanks to Robbie, climate change, Trump. I'm telling recession. you, he was that flashpoint for everything to fuck up. Dude, we two years from it, two years now when I'm in this apartment all burnt the fuck out whole, black, whole wall blowing the fuck out I'm just sitting there with my rifle smoking my fucking Laotian marijuana and just like with my gun being like it all started with that goddamn gorilla you know what recording on my fucking Samsung just like whoever finds this remember it all started with that goddamn gorilla <laughs> just all withered out Oh my god. That's the future, kids. That's just how it's going. We're going to be a revolution soon. Breakdown of the whole social order. Yeah. And cocaine. And, and you notice, like, we're yeah, actually the first, like, in society, we don't have a major drug problem. All the other, like, 20th century decades had a drug problem. Yeah, I mean, opium's what took down China, ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, that, like, 1800s, we had laudanum different types of liquor you know heroin over the counter kind of stuff oh what's wrong oh she's got a bad period heroin heroin uh, yeah you could really I use mean, it if you want to go back to ancient times peyote mushrooms yeah. there was uh ayahuasca there's all different kinds but of- like there's no there's no big drug issue no as of now we had meth which became like the most prevalent in poor communities because Meth is cheap. It's easy to make too. Yeah, and they made a whole fucking Sopranos show about it on A and E or AMC. Oh, yeah. So the conspiracy part of this, though, uh, which is hard to say because we've kind of accepted it as fact that the government was involved in some aspect because of the contras as proof right. that they were able to smuggle cocaine up from Florida, from the Gulf, from the Gulf states to. You know, the border all the way to California, Oregon, even even Canada, in like the more less populated areas of Canada, like the British Columbia, mm-hmm. became a like a Silk Road of drugs for all of Canada. So that gives you another name for the Ice Road Truckers. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta get this sixteen tons of goddamn meth. And wasn't the DEA like completely useless because they? Well, here's, they couldn't get anything done. Their like, budgeting was terrible. Well, here, here's the fun thing about fucking the DEA and the police. Every week at one point in one year in Florida, their drug bust kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Hey, hey, old Thompson found 1,600 pounds of marijuana a week later. Hey, look, Lawrence over here found a fucking ton of goddamn cocaine. And then it just kept getting bigger and bigger. And it didn't affect the drugs. They kept coming in. What they were finding was one percent of what was actually coming in. So if you if you hear stories of cops in Florida being like, "Yeah, I got this speedboat over here full, all packed tight with fucking some Nicaraguan marching powder," and it's just like, <laughs> oh, that's, "I love the name." I'm like, "That's cool." All right, yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, we're making a dent on the war on drugs. Meanwhile, the Ocho was like, "Ah, one boat. We sent a hundred boats. If you lost a boat, that's a lot of money, man." 
ah fuck it who cares <laughs> I think it's fucked up though that I'm thinking about this like as you're uh, explaining the whole issue of all these imports coming in by sea in Florida I think of my dad because my dad was in the uh, Coast Guard during this time and also during like the like the uh, immigration crisis where people were illegally immigrating from Haiti and the Dominican Republic I think they were also going through a revolution as well at that time now what's funny is when you bring up the Coast Guard one of the stories the cocaine cowboys was so they had a boatload of cocaine coming in by boat and uh, literally both and there was a bay there was a bay and there was a nice uh, beautiful uh, hotel sitting on the bay well they had hired a woman to sit in this penthouse hotel room with a phone and this whole furnished fucking house on the penthouse and all she had to do was pick up a phone and call and say if she saw the coast guard in the bay and if she saw him she called and these guys had satellite phones at that time yeah and one of the guys riding the boats into the bay said he heard a loud bang and a skip, 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 skip out through the water. And he looked back and the Coast Guard boat blew the propeller off its boat. He turned around and asked him if they needed a tow. Oh, no shit. shit. I heard this story. Yeah. Holy shit. He gives the Coast Guard a fucking tow back to the inlet with a boat full of cocaine. And they didn't even bother to ask. Just this fucking redneck from Alabama. Hey, man, y'all need a ride? Yeah, come on Holy in, man. Hop in. Shit. Hop in. Hell yeah, man. Yeah, you guys like Skinner? Roll tight. Roll tight. <laughs> I bet those dudes were like... <laughs> oh, Dude, he's a redneck. Oh, fuck. Okay. We're saved. Oh, and our boat's getting fixed. And our boat's getting fixed. He's probably got mechanical engineering, too. That yeah. motherfucker's a fucking walking encyclopedia. Engineer. Do I look like a pussy to you? <laughs> I'm, a no I'm a mechanic. I'm Same a, mechanic. I am a goddamn man. <laughs> Same thing with food service. I ain't no goddamn chef. I fucking work for a living. I'm a cook. <laughs> sous chef. Yes. What the fuck is a sous chef? I know how to make fries, motherfucker. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here with that bullshit. A salad. Get the fuck you at? Pinkies, motherfucker. We waitresses can make the fucking salad. I don't need the fucking. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> so they have one waitress needs to eat more salad. Oh, you oh. fucking piece of shit. <laughs> and that's why you got stuck on third shift, you asshole. And that's why I'm on cocaine. And speaking of food service, cocaine as far as the eye can see. Yes, yeah, service. And around this time, that's when you're having like a big surge in fast food places. Uh, uh, McDonald's is really in full swing at this time. Fucking uh, McCrack. Uh, yeah. McCrack. <laughs> the McCrack burger. Yeah. There was a story of a guy in our in our in my neck of the woods, um, and it kind of got delved out to the nationwide because it happened nationwide too. Was people would go up to these drive-throughs and order a certain number of items, yeah, and have drugs in the bag. Oh yeah, like a coke. Well, it happened to like a housewife or some shit because she ordered that same thing, and she found a bag of drugs in her fucking bag. She's like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> well, it's kind of like um, Karen Patient Zero. <laughs> kind of like going into uh if you find uh, free drugs in your bag just shut the fuck up and take right. the drugs it's kind of like going into uh, the case of michael dowd i don't know if you ever read about him mm-hmm. but he was a east new york uh police officer for about 13 years and so he, crook oh yeah <laughs> no, no no because uh the precinct next door to his also got busted for a similar crime like 10 cops ended up getting like one of the famous photos in the newspaper mm-hmm. at the time was them getting in a daisy chain going into the courtroom to get sentenced they all got sentenced to like uh, 10 20 years in prison yeah well he ends up joining up with this local cartel, Dominican cartel, selling cocaine. Now, their whole thing was they sold it out of a fucking grocery store. 
So when the cops would come in to raid, he had the uh, boss had a way of like a, a trigger system where it would flip and it would be all groceries on one side. So like a speakeasy, going speakeasy, from- but for cocaine. And in a way that when the feds would come in, he would already know because he had uh, Michael Dowd and also his uh, uh, partner Kenny McCabe that Michael had brought in on the whole thing of watching the place, seeing if there's any feds, because they know everything because the feds talk to them. They're on the front lines, yeah. practically. Especially at that time during uh, East New York's crime spree, because most cops would end up getting killed over yeah. there. It was like a one in five chance. And some of the ways, like, because prohibition of any type of substance breeds innovation. Yeah. So, uh, Paps, do you know how Paps was able to stay alive during prohibition? Mm-mm. They did the same thing a lot of gin companies did. They would print on their, like uh, Budweiser and Paps would sell yeast with a packet saying, hey, just so you don't know, don't accidentally make beer, here's how beer is made. Yeah. <laughs> don't make beer with two pounds of yeast, some copper lines. I was like, God damn. Like, <laughs> don't, don't, don't put it in the bathtub for fucking 36 hours and stir it every hour on the hour. And don't put it in a pressurized container, you know, but like, even even when it came to cocaine, yeah, this smoke. warning is fifteen pages long. <laughs> yeah. Jesus, God, it's like a fucking prescription bottle. <laughs> we're after a Walgreens receipt. Jesus, damn, CVS is getting fucking ridiculous. The booklet, yeah. And just that'd be funny if, like, uh, as part of the revolution, like you go to one of these stores that says how to make a Molotov cocktail and what not to do. Oh, yeah. like, you know, just to prepare yourself. It's like every fuck, like that would bother us to read those receipts. I know there's a bunch of fucked up shit on there. Somebody who didn't read the receipt just pulls it out. Hey, what did I want? Hey, what is all this shit? Is this like fucking communist newsletter from the CVS? <laughs> oh yeah, first story. I found a communist manifesto at Duke University when I went on to the doctor's office. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, it was just like written in like four pages and it was just like spread. There was like little packets all over the fucking place but it's four pages stapled together and it was like a communist manifesto I'm just like what the fuck and it's like hey um, Morrison yeah yeah let me just fold that up and put that in my bag just, just some light reading <laughs> that some psycho left at the Duke Hospital <laughs> Jesus Christ man I wouldn't even know how to react to that I feel like I found something from fucking Ted Kaczynski I'd be no different finding those little Christian pamphlets on the fucking girl <laughs> that's true <laughs> I will say some of the fucking drawings on that were pretty metal as shit. They did a picture of death on them. I'm just like that'd be a cool tattoo. And it's just a tablet of, a, of not being friends with Muslims or something. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I remember the coolest thing I ever saw in a pamphlet was uh, "Beware the Beast: God's Judgment," and it was the fucking whore of Babylon riding the seven-headed dragon with the ten crowns, and it was all in color. And to this day, I can't find that goddamn thing because I was like, man, that'd be a badass leg tattoo. Like no Hell shit, because yeah. <laughs> she's Somebody. coming up out of the Black Sea with fucking the sea of sea of black, and she's got the chalice. She looks like fucking set you know what I'm saying somebody was watching Heavy Metal 2000 when they drew this (laughs) speaking of Heavy Metal I got that fucking soundtrack that guy's got his own office they walk in hey uh Damien yeah yeah we need some artwork you just just hear fucking Megadeth playing constantly (laughs) the conjuring on an endless loop just posters of just like demon shit (laughs) some Walmart style fucking posters wow we went off course with that cult shit but (laughs) So some of the stories about innovation, though, when it came to uh, smuggling cocaine was, so when you get a car and you pack it full of cocaine and you get pulled over, you're going to jail. Of course. But if you pack a car full of cocaine and hire a tow truck company to take that motherfucker and you get pulled over, guess what? 
your driver's fine. He's like, man, I just got a ticket like to pick up his car and right. bring it back to Georgia. And the cops are like, oh, shit. Well, we can't really arrest him because he's not breaking any laws. He was just towing a car. So they would just take the car. And he'd be on his merry way going back down the 95. I'm going back down the fucking Grab lane. another car. Grab another car. Hey, man, I'll see you back. Deuces. And like that became like a proper smuggling way. And then it just got to the points where, man, fuck this truck thing. Get the cop to fucking haul the coke for you. And that became like the standard operating procedure toward the end of it was cops just carrying the cocaine up to the border because they were just so balled out with fucking drug money. And we're not even talking about the West Coast where you have Griselda Blanco doing some nasty shit. No, she was in uh, Florida. Florida. Florida, yeah. But she ended up going to California later on. Did she continue her stuff? Oh, shit. So when she went, all right, after the killings in Florida had escalated, she had moved her family to fucking California where she meets up with a, uh, uh, this black guy. I can't remember his name. Smart as fuck. Was able to get out on technicalities all the time. He was bringing brought up on drug charges and murder. And he started getting in a relationship with the, I think it was the court stenographer or something. And it caused a mistrial. And he was able to kind of wait, like walk away because he developed a relationship with not only like the prosecution's office, one of the secretaries, but also the stenographer too. So it just like <laughs> fucked up the whole case. He was getting inside information and he was throwing the stenographer off course. Yeah, it was just like, it's fucking brilliant. He ends up uh, being with Griselda Blanco for some time before she's actually um, targeted by the Ochoas for her uh, murder of one of theirs. She killed one of the Ochoa family members. Um, well, it was a woman and uh, she had caught a hit on it. And she was told, be careful, you, because, like, the Ochoas are, like, the godfather family. They're colonials. And, like, they did not play that shit. And uh, she ended up getting busted uh, by the DEA and the FBI. They take her in. And here's the fucked up part is they, they lock her up. They turn her free, but she gets deported automatically back to Columbia. Fuck. But she was last seen leaving the airport in a cab. And reports said that the cab only drove like a block away. She was forced out and got killed. Now that that's the story of Giselle Blanco is getting killed right outside the fucking Colombian airport. Home sweet home. Yeah. Well, she uh, she was she brought a lot of heat down on everything that was down there. Yeah, because she's caught up in a lot of infighting. And by that time, by the time she's released, Pablo Escobar's dead. The Ochoas are laying low. The cartels in Mexico have already started their own thing. Yeah. And crazy thing about the, the cartels because drugs have become such a blasé fucking commodity. They've gone into a lot of other criminal acts. Yeah. Uh, they steal crude oil from pipelines. Well, they're also becoming <laughs> paramilitary states. Yeah, well they've already they've already been like military inclined, but like some of the stuff they're stealing like commodities and oh, shit. Oh yeah. It's like Mad Max in yeah, a way. Um, uh, food, and a lot of fuel. and to continue on to, to this day a lot of uh, gangs, not gangsters or mafia Gangs uh, have decided to tar- targeting the rich in California. Uh, you've seen a lot of these sprees where people just break into like a department store, just start taking shit and fucking dashing out the door. Yeah. Have you seen some of these videos? Yeah. Especially like um, Apple stores and shit like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like a flash robbery, a yeah. flash mob. But <laughs> yeah, well, they, a lot of this is being organized by gangs, and they're, they're targeting richer people. So I'm thinking we're about to see a big change in not just personal security. But state security as well. Yeah. Because, uh, like, I'm not really worried about it because I'm in Charlotte. 
but I always keep a lookout because I drive a fucking van for Amazon. And to me, you can just have that fucking thing. <laughs> yeah, no, for real. Nah, man, here's the keys. Good luck. <laughs> right. It's got low jack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but like, it's it's fucking nuts, man. And that's all bred from the drug age of the '80s. Now, uh, you've heard about the reporter who came out with all this information, uh, who may or may not have killed himself with three shots of the head. Oh yeah, yeah he was also the one that blew the lid on the whole uh, freeway Ricky Ross story. Mm. Um, but that wasn't like until like a decade later, right? It's like '98. And well, he was already and Ricky and Rick Ross was already in prison at that time. Yeah. And that was the thing that actually got him out, strangely enough, because he got that to the public, but then he wound up dead. Yeah. Uh, but there was a reporter back in the eighties who also did the same thing. He had uh, he had stumbled upon a court case of two foreigners uh, from Central America who were being charged with murder and were basically let go. Uh, because the court system was paid off. You know, the system was paid off. And the prosecution, you know, stepped the case down and let him go. And he thought it was weird that two guys who were part of a murder ring are just seemingly let go with no consequence and were told to go back to where they came from. And American policy on that was not that. Right. And he dug a little bit deeper and learned about, hey, you know, the CIA's involved, the cartel of Central America, which, you know, the Contras, the rebel fighters, slowly becoming a cartel. Drugs is the name of the game, stuff like that. And he ended up getting killed. Uh, they made a movie about it called Kill the Messenger. Uh, Jeremy Renner plays him in a movie. Shit. Uh, but the story ends with him getting shot in the head three times. Uh, apparently, he committed suicide. Which I will say, if you've shot three times, that's dedication. Yeah. That's dedication. <laughs> you're a bad shot. <laughs> you're a bad shot. Same thing happened to uh, Mary Rilla Lewis of Lewis and Clark. Uh, Mary Rilla Lewis shot himself three times in the head with a flip-lock pistol. He discovered too much. That's what he did. That's what he did. Yeah. We'll go into that conspiracy later on because I, I heard that story. I'm just like, God damn, the wilderness is rough. <laughs> it probably took him four days to die. <laughs> but we hear a lot of those stories. You know, a lot of people who are like whistleblowers who just end up dead. Unless they're Edward Snowden. <laughs> yeah. No, Julian Assange, he can take a bullet. Fuck him. That guy was a piece of shit. Yeah. Massive. But Snowden, he just wanted to fuck a supermodel and tell you that the government was listening to every word you said. That's all. And that's yeah. why we get these kick-ass ads on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm probably going to kick a great ad on fucking Facebook about a cocaine documentary or some shit. <laughs> probably. Or, or a video game themed around that. Yeah. <laughs> another one, um, another story is the story of the informant who was the accountant for Pablo Escobar. Uh, Brian Cranston played him in a movie. Great fucking movie. Oh, shit. Um, I will say, if you make a movie about cocaine and you don't include a song from Rush, <laughs> it's not going to be a good movie. Unless it's got the Rolling Stones in it. Because you remember the opener You remember the opener to Blow? A little bit. It's been, a, it's been quite it's the movie. It's the title Blow in block letters, and it's the American flag over draped over all of them. And it's, can you hear, it's the opening. It's the, can you hear me knocking? Holy da, shit. Da, 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 da. And it's just like, yeah, that's a fucking badass opener. Same thing happened in uh, the, the informant. was He's in a fucking bowling alley. He's buying a little bit of Coke. And he's got a wire underneath. He's wearing wire the whole time. And they're in a bowling alley. And fucking Tom Sawyer by Rush is playing. Dun, 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 dun. And I'm just like, this is how you open a movie about cocaine. 
you gotta have the right kind of soundtrack you gotta have the right soundtrack to keep the mood going yeah but yeah he was he was part of that whole thing he he was friends with pablo escobar he you know he he became the accountant to the cocaine organization and it was so elaborate that he went into witness protection after oh of course after something like that you have to yeah I was yeah. just watching something last night about fucking uh, John McAfee. Oh, oh like uh, it was a whole documentary. That he's I'm not told. dead. That's he's but, totally alive. John McAfee is totally alive. That psycho can never die, dude. I'm glad you knew about it. I had a feeling you would know about it, but it's just. I wonder if he. Well, you might. Know, you know about John McAfee? No, the, the guy who created the McAfee, McAfee antivirus. <laughs> the, you ever seen McAfee antivirus on your computer? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the guy who's the head of the company is a goddamn walking, talking sociopath <laughs> who loves drugs, working out, and, and may guns. Or, and guns, and may or may not be part of Epstein Island. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And he died recently, or did he? He has supposedly hung himself in a, uh, a Spanish prison, but he called one of his mistresses and said, "I'm not really dead." <laughs> yeah, according oh, to sure. her. According to her. What the fuck does she know? Yeah, she's friends with John McAfee. <laughs> Dude was nuts, but he, I, I wonder if he at any point had some kind of hand in this. Maybe a company, something he owned. You know, the the elite at this time were also still having their hands in cocaine, and mm. even some of the elite in most of these eclectic sort of areas of government were also involved in the cocaine trade. But naturally, you're going to want to move into a little bit of real estate. Yeah. Oh yeah. And expand. Expand well, your it's, ventures. It's, it's the story of how would you run a drug business. And you hear all these stories of, man, I would never do that. This gaudy motherfucker bought a house and bought two houses and bought another one for his bitch. And then he bought one for his kids. And he bought one for his wife. And then he bought one for his second bitch. And I'm just like, you're just burning through fucking cash. And then when people ask you, what do you do? I'm like, oh, I'm in logistics. I was I'm like, in the import-export business. Yeah, like, nah, nah, nah. Let's, let's, let's not be so much Tony Soprano about this. Let's, 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 let's rake it in. <laughs> Let's rake it in because, uh, yeah, I, I talked to a buddy of mine. Hey, man, what would you do with all this? Like, if you had that kind of money, I'm like, nothing. Nope. I wouldn't do a goddamn. I'll buy a double wide with some land with cash and then open up a car wash. <laughs> Live modestly. <laughs> what do you do? I run a car wash. That, that's it. Always choose a legitimate that, uh, cash business. Yep. Cash on demand. Yeah. COD. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, man, that's just how I wanted, how I would do it. Fuck yeah. And all these guys are just like you see, like you hear about the raids on the mansions, and you hear about oh yeah, like like the dumbest one was the George Jung being arrested with his dumb cunt wife with a bag of cocaine. Oh <laughs> yeah. god! And I'm just like, he should have killed her right there because he still would have got life. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He still would if he killed his wife in front of that cop. He still would have got life, <laughs> even though there was a kilo of coke in the bottom. He, uh, he passed away, actually, recently, too, George Young. It was only uh, yeah. a year or two ago. Yeah. Um, and a lot, what's crazy is a lot of those guys from the, from that time have already passed, which you'd think they'd have a little bit of longevity well, with, I, with the stress they've had in their lives. I think about the most uh, character that kind of stood alone, another pilot, worked directly for Pablo Escobar, started Cocaine Island, uh, mm-hmm. Carlos Later. Yeah. He was probably, this guy was probably the most conflicting person of that whole regime because he had a swastika tattoo, but he also was a huge Beatles fan at the same time. 
he was really religious, but he was also a Nazi, like full fledged, like national. Well, you gotta socialist. diversify your beliefs in this world, man. You can't be <laughs> you can't be hamstrung by but just being a Nazi. The <laughs> fucked up thing is, he actually that's did the problem cut, with Nazis. They're just always fucking Nazis. He kind of he built like an entire island in the uh, Caribbean, like between um, Florida and Colombia, so that way the Colombians had a refueling station that wasn't going to Cuba or anywhere near Cuba. Yeah. God forbid they the communists see that shit and shoot you down. Yeah. And then you're rotting in a communist prison if you survive. Yeah. But he built an entire island, and this island had one other resident on it. It was a private island, but he had a chunk of land he bought. Uh, his neighbor was getting tired of it, and his neighbor started complaining, going off about him. So he goes next door and has him killed. Problem is, neighbor's a U.S. citizen. So U.S. government hears about this citizen that gets killed. Word gets around. You know, word travels fast. Family doesn't hear from him. And they find this fucking island in the middle of nowhere with an airstrip, hangars, an entire little city. Mm-hmm. And this is supposed to be an island with only two people on it. <laughs> like, it's like a small village just constructed suddenly overnight. Turns out Carlos later, because he was bringing in so much cocaine, restructured the facilities, built bigger hangar store, more cocaine. He was moving, I think, over... Uh, think he was moving at least a million k a year mm. something massive just constantly coming through and also filling up cartel planes on their way to florida and built all this stuff to house more guards more women more other things too built like a whole fucking little spot and as soon as the government hears about that they fucking rushed in and he was one of the first guys to get busted in the medellin cartel that helped bring it down hmm. he's actually we were talking about it earlier. He's actually in Florence uh, Supermax also. Well, at least he was. I don't know if he's still alive now. Yeah, Supermax prison system. 23-hour lockdown. Dude, for real. And, dude, he massive cocaine trafficker. <laughs> and going into, like, the, the last little bit of this, the aftermath of the coke and crack epidemic, the government realizing, what you know, that they need to show a hard line on the drugs they may or may not have, you know, pretense over harsh penalties for possession across the board mm-hmm. uh, this is where we get uh, uh broken window laws you've yep. heard of this yep uh so if, you know a little bit of dysfunction is grounds for a lot of dysfunction so the cops do stop and frisk in new york you know you get a lot of different penalties uh if you got caught with a little bit of coke you're going away you're good you're gone Get caught with crack, same thing, gone. Three strikes become a more prevalent thing in the 90s. Yeah. And it just carries on and snowballs. And it carries on with marijuana, too, um, which is kind of even more fucked up. They, they treated, I feel like they treated marijuana more fucked up than they did uh, mm-hmm. cocaine in a lot of ways. I think partially because there were users among the people yeah. taking down the dealers. And that would be another podcast, just the story of marijuana. Yeah. Because we'll all burn one down while we do it. Word. Be a Judy fly. Then we'll go through it fast. <laughs> hey, what's this weed's funny, Chris? I don't fucking know. I got that shit from Vietnam. Just shut up and smoke it. Shut the fuck up and smoke it. Pop rocks in here? This is the thumb I kept from that goddamn VC that killed my best friend. Just take a look at it. Motherfucker tried to gouge one of my eyes out, but it's alright. I took his thumb. Did you watch that did you watch that amazing colossal man thing I sent you? <laughs> so there's a scene where the guy's like there's the two guys are in Korean War. They're smoking a cigarette, and a guy gets bayoneted, and he turns around and shoots the guy in the face. Ah! Yeah, he fucking covers his face and screams. <laughs> shoots the guy in the face. I'm like, he's shooting a fucking M1 Gare, and I'm like, half his head would be fucking gone, number one. Boom. <laughs> that would just be a... 
There would be no ah. If anything, it would be like a gargling sound. <laughs> well, yeah, that, re- that reminds me of that kind of shit. Well, it's hell, but goddamn, it's funny sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> That's the fucking Apocalypse Now shit right there. That's Apocalypse Now and fucking Full Metal Jacket. I had to. I yeah. had to. <laughs> But yeah, this that's the that's the brief and struggling history of the crack and cocaine and with a little bit of heroin dashed inside. None of these were involved in the making of this production. None of these are involved. In <laughs> but you know, it's just like when you talk about drugs, you got to include all of them. You like, can't really tell the story without one because all of them kind of coincide with one another in terms of how they're sold. Now, when it comes to like legality, you think uh, cocaine should be legal? I mean, it was in Coca-Cola, but I don't think... I think if the government regulates it, I think think it would be a slightly safer alternative. But then I don't want the same thing to happen in the 1980s, where now we have shootouts. But it's towards government agencies, suddenly. What about to have that now? <laughs> that is true. <laughs> fuck F- FBI. The F- main. It's like, shut fuck the fuck up. The Wasn't the FBI the ones that busted the CIA agents in uh, Colombia yeah. during the uh, Obama presidency in like 2010? Oh, busted yeah. Busted with all the cocaine, prostitutes, guns. And they were just partying for like three Thanks, days. Thanks, Obama. Boo. <laughs> 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 no, please. I don't want to get hit by a drone strike. <laughs> <laughs> we're all about the good times, Hank. <laughs> that's what it's all about, man. All about the- yeah, yeah, but talk about drone strikes. Yeah, that's what Obama was known for. Most kills with robots. <laughs> you can take that to your to your fucking grave, there, hippies. <laughs> Skynet won the war. Skynet won the war. Hell yeah! <laughs> One day that sex robot will wrap her mechanical hands around your neck, and you won't even see it coming. With your Amazon house and your Amazon food, <laughs> you're up there just chilling in the metaverse, and meanwhile, fucking. <laughs> I just hear the fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, you're just chilling in the fucking metaverse, killing fucking whoever the fuck you want to, while this thing is choking you the fuck out because you're into some weird shit. Sex robot, sex robot. Come into your robot. town. <laughs> it's okay to fuck robots. They fuck us all the time in movies. <laughs> They beat the fuck out of us in movies. <laughs> I like how that is that is devolved. We just talked about cocaine in the 70s. Now we're just talking about robots. Hey, listen, us. Terminator came, the first Terminator movie came out around when the cocaine was big. So come on, let's can't, we can't say it wasn't involved in it. Same with RoboCop. Yeah. Dude, the fucking drugs of RoboCop were the shit. <laughs> the second one's so fucked up, though, dude. That one's like a fucking horror movie. Yeah, what is it? Oh, what is it called? It's uh, just RoboCop 2. No, the, the, the drug. Oh, um, um, um. It is fucking hilarious, dude. This is like, like the. In like one of the opening scenes, they kill the fucking uh, the, the surgeon guy. general. Like uh, <laughs> they assassinate him, and one of the guys is high on the drug. But it's like this little fucking. They look like sauce packets, is what mm-hmm. cracks me up, or a little thing of, like gel, like toothpaste yeah. tubes. <laughs> and then they, just... they stick them in their neck, and like they get high off of it. But I, it cracks me up because that was like a metaphor for the war on drugs at that time. Yeah, but Paul Verhoeven's fucking nuts anyway. Oh yeah, of course. And uh, the guy that did uh, RoboCop too did Empire Strikes Back. Yes, um, he's a horror movie director also, and I can't remember his name right now. But yeah, but the the, the great war on drugs in RoboCop Two is fucking hilarious. It's just yeah. like these fucking junkies all all like zipping out on fucking this red juice, and then uh, it comes to a crosshair like the, the, there's a little kid who's part of the drug trade, and he dresses in a little suit and carries a suitcase gun. 
a little a little lunchbox that turns into a gun. Yeah, no, naturally, naturally, it's the future. <laughs> God damn it! Keep, 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 keep your limited your limited view down, man. They got a robot cop, and you're getting pissed by a lunchbox gun. They got a robot cop, and the villain turns into a robot, but he's like a computer Kane. screen robot. Yeah, Kane. Kane was the shit. That shit gave me nightmares when I was a kid, man. Because <laughs> that was a killing machine. Because he had the, like the lawnmower man face when the screen opened up, and it was just a VR face, but like '80s, and it looked scary as shit. It's like yeah. fucking 3D modeled face that moves, doesn't say anything. There's no. But it's text. always craving drugs. Always craving and drugs <laughs> so are what funds. It's a robot fueled by drugs. Yeah. Because his brain's encased in a thing. That's it's, the main bad guy. That's the Robocop 2. Yeah. Robocop 2. Giant robot. If we smoke enough weed, it'll be the greatest movie you've ever seen. It it'll be like Lord it of the is. Rings. <laughs> when we're done. The story of Frodo will be <laughs> smashed to shit with Robocop. And look how stupid he looks. Good job, Murphy. Good job, Murphy. Good job, Murphy. <laughs> Listen, that was the best gun in fucking sci-fi history. I don't care. That RoboCop gun got shit done. Just getting gacked out. Fucking drugs. Not even Red Foreman could fucking defeat RoboCop. Oh, Kurt, what's going yeah. I work for Dick Jones. <laughs> he runs the cops. You're a cop. I just want my fucking phone call. <laughs> Well, guys, this has been an episode of Cryptid Conspiracy Cult. Thanks, Mikey, for coming in and yeah. enjoying this crazy-ass story of robot sex. Cocaine. Cocaine in America. And America's weird policy dealing with other countries on a really fucked-up level. And their cocaine. And their cocaine. <laughs> Florida cops. A lot of tags on this episode <laughs> on the Spotify. <laughs> Why is cocaine tagged like eight times? <laughs> We're going to create the, our own algorithm. Yeah. Tune in next week when we talk about are white people really from Earth? 